Welcome to the podcast of New City Church. We hope this podcast inspires you on your journey of inward and outward transformation. Please join us on Sundays. You can find more information on our website, grownewcity.church. God bless you. Labor started slowly. My firstborn was trying to make her debut a few weeks early, but in the moment when it really counted, she seemed in no great hurry to actually get on with things. I walked, I soaked in a tub, I cried, and gradually labor got going in earnest. For anyone who hasn't experienced it, let me tell you that the transition phase of labor is no walk in the park. I was so tired and I just didn't think I could do it. My midwife was a consistent presence through it all. She and the nurses had important medical knowledge and skill, but really her biggest role was one of active support. She knew what I didn't know. She knew that I had the power and strength to get through the long and tiring labor. She provided comfort when necessary, advice when appropriate, and a pep talk that any professional motivational speaker would be wowed by. She was there to provide the support I needed and to help create the conditions for a safe and healthy delivery. My midwife called me Wonder Woman at some point during the arduous process, but I feel like she was the superhero. Midwives are the heroes in today's scripture too. We read of a fearful leader who cannot stand having foreigners present. Even the descendants of previous migrants who came to the country fleeing famine. He views them as beneath contempt. He does everything in his power to stem the tide of their entry and their increase. Increasing numbers are met with increasing oppression. His irrational fear is wrapped in the legitimating cloak of public policy using state violence against marginalized people. Policies propped up by yes-men and the ideological authority he claims with fervor and fanaticism. When he rose to power, he reversed or obliterated the progress of previous leaders, and doubled down on oppressive tactics. Every time you think his cruelty cannot get worse, he comes up with a new tactic, bringing the life or death reality of authoritarian leadership into stark relief. Hmm. Sound familiar? The Egyptian king fears the Hebrew men may rise up against him. So he seeks to curb their population growth. His plans shift from cruelty to genocide. He summons two midwives, Shipra and Pua, and orders they kill any son 
born to Hebrew women. Shipra and Pua are likely actually the head of a Hebrew midwifery guild. So their leadership role is what brought them in front of the king. In her book, Womanist Midrash, biblical scholar and an excellent Twitter follow, by the way, Will Gaffney imagines the scene that follows the king's command. Shipra and Pua call all the birthing women to assemble, telling their overseers that they are passing on Pharaoh's instructions. One Egyptian lingers longer than the other. Pua shows him out with an ancient womanist refrain. This is women's business. He leaves. Hundreds of women come to the place of Shipra's tent. Many bring daughters, granddaughters, and nieces whom they are apprenticing in the profession. Some are pregnant, others are nursing. It takes more than a day for everyone to gather, eat, and rest from their journeys. And there is talk, shop talk, women's words, shared experiences, and new techniques. Herbs to stop bleeding, herbs to bring on labor, teas to increase milk production, ways to limit pregnancies. Finally, Shipra speaks. She tells them Pharaoh's words. The women gasp. Some mutter, some shout. Some of the children are frightened. Shipra and Pua shush them and call for calm. Shipra begins to prophesy. God has brought our people a mighty long way. And I don't believe God has brought us this far to leave us. Do not fear this Pharaoh or his warriors, not his war horses, not his chariots. God will blow them away like smoke in the wind. In our days, before our eyes, God will break the back of Egypt and wash away its might. God will raise up one of our sons to lead us and all our children out of this house of slavery. Our hands and our wombs do God's work. We will deliver the deliverer. We will keep him safe until the day that God calls him to lead us to freedom. We shall receive our freedom, dancing to woman's song, if we trust in the mighty power of Shaddai, who drew us from her holy womb, whose spirit covers the earth. Shipra takes her seat. Pua speaks. Trust in God whose name is holy. This is what we shall do. Deliver the babies. Hide as many of the boys as you can. Raise others as girls. Do not worry about the Egyptians. They will not come house to house to check on women. They cannot imagine that we would defy the Pharaoh whom they regard as a living God. The women leave the convocation of birthing women. 
days, weeks, then months go by. Pharaoh is too busy to think about the Hebrew birthing women. Someone mentions that the Hebrew people are still growing in spite of the Pharaoh's commandment. He summons them back to explain themselves. So those midwives, they remember. They remember the promises of blessing that God has made to their ancestors. And they went about the quiet work of staying steadfast in the face of evil. Their commitment to God was greater than their fear of the tyrant. In our own years, of living under the rule of a fearful leader and his policies that brought more oppression and cruelty to the marginalized. A different guild of midwives have started to gather in pockets across the country to renew and reinvigorate the steadfast work toward freedom. Organizers across the country have been midwifing a movement of resistance in the face of dehumanizing policy, all of that supported by yes people and legitimated by political power and authority. But the organizers, they door knock, they text, they phone, they register people for, to vote, they do political education, and in all of that, they make sure that marginalized people from Georgia to Arizona know that if their voice and their vote didn't matter, the empire wouldn't work so hard to suppress it. Like Shipra and Pua, only a few of the organizers have garnered name recognition. Stacey Abrams started getting broader national attention in 2018 when she ran for governor in Georgia. She lost that race to Brian Kemp, who was the Georgia Secretary of State at the time. Hmm. Following her electoral loss, Abrams founded Fair Fight Action, an organization that addresses voter suppression. They organized for both equitable voter registration laws and to increase voter turnout, to bring more voters of marginalized communities into the process. Song Power, led by Mary Hooks, and the New Georgia Project, led by Nse Ufot, have been organizing across Georgia for years as well. Along with Abrams and Fair Fight, they contributed to registering more than eight 100,000 voters in advance of the 2020 general election. Song Power's sister organization has been at the work even longer. Southerners on New Ground has been doing queer affirming intersectional organizing across the South for almost three decades. After years of eroding voting rights, growing social and economic disparities, children in cages, escalating state violence against black and brown bodies and their accomplices who dared speak out, and 
an uncontrolled pandemic that has disproportionately negative outcomes for people of color. The work of electoral organizing has become more acutely a matter of life and death. Organizing to grow the Black, Indigenous, Latinx, and Asian American voter base was less about particular candidates and more about creating the conditions for ongoing transformation and eventual liberation. We don't know if either Shipra or Pua actually attended to Moses's birth, but we do know that their defiance of the Egyptian king's orders created the conditions for the birth of the one who would lead the Hebrews out of Egypt. The threat still lingered, but their choice made them conduits of eventual liberation. The midwives refused to be party to state-authorized state genocide. The king had feared the increase of Hebrew boys because they may pose a future military threat. As the population grew and thrived, the king, who trafficked in oppression and violence, imagined an uprising that would topple his reign by force. He could only imagine the vengeance they would seek because he would do the same in their place. The collective power of a marginalized people is always seen as a threat to empire. The boys would have to die because of an imagined threat of physical force. Meanwhile, he was willing to let the girls live. What would women do in the face of oppression and tyranny? The king underestimated the power of a rebellion born of hope at the birthing stool rather than fought on the battlefield. The kind of resistance that comes from comfort, support, and motivation rather than through brute force. As Pua said as she shooed the lingering Egyptian out of the assembly, this is women's business. Or at least it's not the business of toxic masculinity. Black women-led organizations were not alone in their work to midwife marginalized voters in this election season. They may have seen, you may have seen, the side-by-side -side image of election results by precinct compared to the areas of tribal land in Arizona. When you compare them, you see that the striking blue islands outside of metropolitan areas match tribal areas across the state. But the power of the native vote was no happy little coincidence. Turning out native voters, including included having to navigate the various barriers that disproportionately impact Native communities, including lack of convenient polling places, restrictive voter ID requirements, removal of eligible voters from lists of registered voters, and non-traditional addresses 
for many who live on reservations. Organizers faced the long list of historic barriers that have disenfranchised Native voters, plus COVID, that also disproportionately impacts Native communities. They faced all of that in order to turn out voters. An organization called Arizona Native Vote had volunteers answering hotline questions in English, in Hopi, in Navajo, and Apache. And they helped people find their polling places and report voter intimidation. These previously devalued and disregarded communities who have suffered for centuries under violent yet legitimated policies set on genocide played a critical role in resisting and helped create the conditions to move toward liberation. We don't know what's next for any of the organizers who helped birth renewed electoral engagement by marginalized people across the US. But we know that their work created the conditions for change. The shift away from, from an extractive get out the vote effort into a more inclusive political process that centers the voices and lived experience of marginalized people in policymaking is very promising. But let me be clear, make no mistake, I am not suggesting Joe Biden or any politician is a modern day Moses. An electoral win is not the same as liberation, but the spirit of liberation that led Moses out of Egypt is surely at work within the collective of marginalized communities today. And we owe a deep debt of gratitude to the organizers, many of whom are among us, who work patiently and defiantly to make liberation possible. Resistance in the face of voter suppression and disenfranchisement sets the stage for those to come who will continue the work of justice, healing, and liberation. Will Gaffney's Midrash may call midwifing women's business, but midwifing liberation isn't exclusively so. Yet the patient and defiant work calls to those who have long been devalued and underestimated. The work continues and calls forth more midwives to help create the conditions for the long labor of liberation, working on the periphery to comfort, support, and motivate. The midwife who accompanied me through the birth of our oldest daughter knew what I didn't know. She knew that I had the power and the strength to get through the long and tiring labor. She spoke to a deep well of power that birthed both hope as well as a child. And it turns out we don't need electoral heroes so much as patient guides who are willing to sit at the birthing stool 
and call forth what we may not always remember we have, the power to create change and to strive toward liberation. May we remember and may it be so. Amen.